0: This is the Libertarian Podcast from the Hoover Institution. I'm your host, Tom Church, and the Libertarian is Professor Richard Epstein. Richard is the Peter and Kirsten Bedford Senior Fellow here at the Hoover Institution. He's the Lawrence A. Tisch Professor of Law at NYU, and he's a Senior Lecturer at the University of Chicago. Richard, this week, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas issued an executive order that prevents any vaccine mandates in the state. Here's some of the language. No entity in Texas can compel receipt of a COVID nineteen vaccine by any individual who objects to such vaccination for reasons of personal conscience, uh, based on religious belief, or for medical reasons, including prior recovery from COVID nineteen. Now, at basically, at the same time over the weekend, Southwest Airlines had to cancel about a thousand flights, presumably because its pilots and employees wouldn't comply with its vaccination requirements. Southwest Airlines, of course, is headquartered in Texas as is American Airlines, which has said it will require vaccines for its 100,000-person workforce, spread out across the country, of course. Now, President Biden's plan to require vaccines, his executive order, looks like it'll be finalized next week for those working in large businesses, people with businesses with over 100 employees. The the question is, on one hand, you've got Governor Abbott saying, you can't do this in the state of Texas, and then you've got President Biden putting together an executive order on the federal level. Who's going you want to my opinion on this? I, I would like to see your prediction on, on you know, there's this, this, on one side, you've got states with the rights on on public health and yeah. and, and safety, and then you've got the federal government with, I guess, longstanding precedent of, of being able to, you know, push a little bit more. So where are we going to get on that?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, this is not the first time we face this contrast in the state of Texas. There was also the question of what the state and what the federal government could do with respect to... Um, illegal aliens coming into the United States who have tested positive with COVID and how they were to be treated. And what Governor Abbott argued was that to the moment that they're inside the state, they're subject to the same sanctions that anybody else inside the state is. And so they could be uh, restrained if need be, quarantined or whatever, uh, to make sure that other people are safe. So he was at that particular point uh, taking the idea that somehow or other it's a strong justification. Uh, based upon COVID illnesses for the state to act. Uh, the federal government took the opposite position and said that to the extent that these are immigration cases, we think that the preemption of state law by federal law is authorized under the Supremacy Clause of the United States Constitution holds, and so therefore that we prevail. Uh, the response came, that is true if what you're talking about is to whether or not the United States government can uh, require uh, Texas to stay off of trucks that or wagons that it manages to commandeer or to hire to transport these people from one place to another under federal control. It's much less clear whether or not they can override the residual power of the state police force and of the police, police power, um, if they don't have that particular hook. If you start looking to the law of preemption in that case or in this one, what you do is you you get a big rule coupled with a seriously big set of exceptions. And what the rule says is if the federal government conflicts with the state law, the federal government prevails. Uh, But what happens is there are many cases in which the federal law is incomplete or uncertain, and oftentimes the test is whether or not uh, the state imposition of its particular rule is going to prevent the federal government from effectuating its legitimate purposes. In this particular case, if there's a direct conflict between the two orders, um, it's clear that the federal government will prevail unless unless the order that it gives is outside the scope of its statutory authority. Uh, this is not an easy case to deal with. Uh, OSHA is a very complicated statute. Nobody, to my knowledge, has ever tried to use OSHA to do uh, matters having to do with personal behavior and foreman, For the most part, OSHA has been a statute which talks about the way in which you make sure that premises on which work takes place are safe. You don't have slippery tiles. You don't let carbon monoxide leak from pipes and all the rest of that. So what's going to happen is the state of Texas is going to argue uh, that if you look at this particular case, uh, this is outside the scope of the federal power. And so it's not a valid state law. Therefore, it is not entitled to preemptive attempt And therefore, we're allowed to win. The state, the federal government is now going to come back and say, look, uh, these statutes are all kind of uncertain about what's going on. And what we think is that we are entitled to a certain degree of deference when we decide to give an expansive and muscular interpretation of our particular statute. And so therefore, we ought to prevail. And then the state is going to come back and say, the rule that you announced may be true with respect to things that are admittedly inside your jurisdiction, but there should be no federal deference whatsoever or deference to federal agencies if what they're trying to do is to expand their jurisdiction beyond what Congress has done and thereby intruding upon the province of the state. And so you can see how this thing is going to go on. Very long, very complicated, very convoluted. Or what's going to also influence this kind of a situation? There's going to be the real question is to the extent that popular sentiment starts to boil up in one direction or another. My prediction is that the majority of people will think either for prudence or because of just general not wanting to get themselves into trouble. Oh, take the vaccine. Uh, But there are enough reports out there by enough people who say, no, this is actually a riskier vaccine than you think it is, that they're going to be a substantial minority of people who don't want to do it. So take a company like American Airlines with 100,000 employees. If it has a 3,000-person turndown rate, gets 97% compliance, they have 3,000 people they're going to have to let go, and they're going to have to let them go in a very tight market uh, where hiring substitutes is not easy. Uh, Southwest had this kind of protest, and they canceled a huge number of flights, and it wasn't all because of uh, weather. What you have to understand about an airline is that if a pilot goes out, you can't go down to your neighborhood office and hire somebody else. Pilots have to be licensed not only to fly airplanes generally, but a license for each specific kind of plane that you want to fly. And it's very difficult, therefore, to get other pilots to cover the gap, particularly in a market where everything turns out to be right anyhow. So this is going to turn out to be quite ugly, and there are going to be all sorts of political ramifications. Uh, To make it even further, Tom, it seems to be the case that, quote, the Delta variation seems to be ebbing. The number of recent cases is down. This is going to lead people to say, well, if we've managed to lick this thing already, why do we have to go the extra mile? And so... You're going to be having medical disputes on top of the legal disputes. Um, I wish I were engaged on one side or another in this because this is going to be a legal fight for the ages.
0: Well, next I want to talk about the role of government and its approaches to private businesses. What it, uh, how much it allows them to to operate as they see fit. Texas is right now an interesting state. It's pretty clear on issues like card check. It's a right to work state. I think you know when we can go back to say the masterpiece cake shop Supreme Court case. And you can predict which side most Texas Republicans came down on uh, there, where they're they're going to say, you know, businesses are free to to uh, sell or or do business with with whomever they, they please. And then but you've got Governor Abbott now falling on the other side of this, where he's saying businesses aren't allowed to make those decisions. Do you see a consistent legal or political philosophy here or is this just performative politics?
1: This is going to be politics at the nth degree. Um, Nobody has a consistent policy because the stakes are too high. But generally speaking, the rule is that businesses should be allowed, absent specific statutory controls on the other side, to decide whom to hire, how to deploy them, and how to pay them, and so forth. There's civil rights statutes, which obviously impinge upon that. I don't think those things are at issue in this particular case. So what the problem is going to be is people are going to start looking at What is happening here? And they're going to say, "Mm, um, is this the sort of thing which is a genuine federal interest in health? And so one of the ways in which you could start to do this is to say, what's the risk to other people? And if it turns out we had a vaccine, which was 100% effective, uh, anybody who wanted to take it could take it and they would be protected. You would not have to be able to put these things in place under the rationale of protecting other people. It's much more difficult to come forward under these circumstances with a rationale uh, which says we're doing this for your benefit, making it paternalistic with respect to adults who have their own views on these kinds of issues. And so the government position is trying to rest on a combination of both, that it's for your benefit and it's the benefit of everybody else. And it turns out that as the data becomes more complicated, that other leg is going to be more difficult to start to arrange. So what's going to happen is you're going to see lots of individual autonomy claims being raised by people who said, look, you are now for trying me to do something which I think is harmful to me, and you cannot show that there's a really strong issue for the protection of others. And even if you could show that I'm wrong with respect to me, there is nothing in the Constitution which allows the government to be completely paternalistic with respect to adults, so you can't do it. So you're going to see this huge fight about what are the external effects of the vaccine. And here, there are lots of different positions. There are some people who say, if you have a vaccine, you can still transmit the disease. Uh, And then the others say, well, I mean, but it will be less severe. Other people say that it's more severe. There's a huge underlying dispute with respect to the factual predicates under all of this stuff. And so long as you've got that kind of underlying confusion, uh, what you're going to find yourself doing is working a most difficult situation on an ad hoc basis to try to solve these problems. So again, you just can't be very confident in the way in which you predict what the legal stuff is going to be because of all the huge underlying disputes about the medical evidence on this. It's not as though when the president and Mr. Fauci say what they believe, uh, I'm not saying they're wrong. i I think they may be right in some cases, wrong in others. But the point about this is that you don't have a situation in which at this particular point, there's a sufficient consensus that you can say, well, they're doing this because everybody's behind them. That is not the case anymore. And the moment that it turns out that this is not going to be the case, What's going to happen is you're going to start to have much more difficult problems in the way in which these things are going to work out. So, again, it's just another layer of uncertainty that you have to be able to deal with. And since you can't deal with it really effectively, what you have to say is uncertainty is the dominant motif, as in so many other areas. I mean, it's really difficult and disconcerting uh, to most people to have to face this kind of stuff. But the truth about the matter is that's where the situation uh, starts to lie today. Maximum uncertainty, minimum clarity, lots of moving parts on both the facts and on the law, huge differences in popular views. The autonomy issues to big regulators don't matter at all. Uh, But if you're talking about traditional Republican types, that's where they begin their analysis. So one group wants to rate the interest at one and the other wants to rate it at 10. Guess what's going to happen? There are going to be a lot of disagreements between them as to what the true number is. Thus far in the courts, Um, The regulators have won, and they've run before some fairly smart judges like Frank Easterbrook, who have said that, you know, you want to come to this particular college, you better get vaccinated if that's what they ask, and if they don't like it, you can go somewhere else. You hear a lot of stuff like that coming out from the courts. Uh, What happens in the Supreme Court, we don't know at this particular point in time. We don't even know if they're the only decision maker that matters, but what we do know is there is just an enormous amount of Uh, confusion in this particular area, which will not be rid of in the short run.
0: I want to follow up on, on that subject just a little bit here. This fall, it looks like the FDA will approve a vaccine for children as young as five. And then what we're going to see is schools in many states will require that for students to come back once the new term starts. They have to be vaccinated. And much has been made about how this vaccination requirement would be different than other vaccination requirements, the many others that exist in in public schools across the country. I want to know about this argument that we, this, this is allowed because it affects other, the rights of others. In other words, you know, a, a libertarian is always trying to figure out when can I make you do something because it will negatively affect other people if you don't.
1: Well, I mean, this is, again, a very tricky problem. We rarely have had mandates like this. Generally speaking, if you're talking about polio vaccine, people are sufficiently confident in the vaccine and sufficiently worried about everything else that they're willing to take it. A vaccine like this, in which there have been some disputes with the question of whether or not it has collateral side effect, uh, giving it to very young children is going to accentuate this. People are going to say, look, whom are you protecting by this? Children basically have a recovery rate from COVID-type infections and so forth well over 99.8%, 9%, whatever the number is. They don't transmit it much to each other, and if they did, it's still fine. There's relatively little evidence that they're going to be transmission to teachers. And so folks will start to say, look, you have a relatively small problem, and you have a vaccine uh, which is being used in different dosages for different people without any very long tests. Um, Let me just put it to you this way. If this were an ordinary period, and we were trying to get it was a drug through the FDA, um, where the physicians are not obliged to use it, uh, the approval process often goes on for a very long time, sometimes even years, because they're very anxious to worry about long-term complications and effects, drug interactions, and a lot of stuff. Uh, This is something which is, I guess, not going to be subject to any kind of serious clinical test. And that means, in effect, that if there's some kind of bug in sort of the system, which a test may be able to identify, and you don't figure it out theoretically, it's just going to hit the population. And then maybe six months or a year later, you could have some serious problems. And so I don't think that you can simply say that this thing is established to be safe and effective, because the FDA has said so. It's a very different set of protocols that are being put into place to rush this thing into service from the protocols that have been used normally to deal with drugs, where the backup is, the parents could decide, well, I don't want to give my kid this job. Anyhow, So you're going two steps at one time. First, you're approving it, and then you're mandating it. And you're doing it with respect to a population which is not very heavily at risk. So people are going to say, hey, this is just like or be completely different from the general vaccine mandates. And it's going to take a while to sort this out. There's a further question of can you get a preliminary injunction? Um, saying that this is sufficiently risky, that the courts have to pass on it before you're allowed to do it, or do you have to say that the health interests are sufficiently important that we'll start doing it until the court stops us? Same kinds of problems that you have in the other areas. I tend to be more of a libertarian And I'm therefore worried more about the direct effects of the vaccine on the people who have to take them than the collateral effects on other individuals. In part, I believe this because there are other devices that you have certain kinds of drugs, which overseas have been proven effective. So there's this constant tension is between the two things. But the level of litigation on the vaccine questions now is at an absolute fever pitch. And it's not going down anytime soon. And uh, all I can say is uh, there is authority for every position. You start looking. Uh, you see some courts saying you can on narrow grounds, others saying you can't on very broad grounds. Uh, these are going to be state and federal decisions, different circuits. The Supreme Court will be reluctant to get involved, but eventually will be drawn in. And Lord knows what's going to happen in the six to nine months that pass uh, before you get an authoritative Supreme Court decision. On at least some part of this. So I hate to sound like this, but I'm one of the, on the one hand, this, on the one hand, that. This is not my views. My views are always definite, as you know, Tom. Uh, this is <laughs> the prediction is what we're trying to make here. And, and I think, in effect, if I had to make a position right now, I would say that the people who want to support mandates are going to win more battles than they're going to lose. I think that the tide is likely to shift, particularly if there's any mishap whatsoever with respect to the vaccination. And there'll be a backing off from this particular type of situation. And as we say, Abbott versus our good friend Biden is the kind of, shall we say, uh, the exemplar. It's the a scorpion in the bottle. It's the first case of testing out these two titans. And I'll be very interested to see which way it comes out.
0: Richard, I've got to ask one last question because people always want to know if the government can do what it's doing. President Biden has issued an executive order for federal employees and contractors to get vaccinated. We've talked about that on this program so many of these questions are untangling positive versus normative can they do it versus should they do it and recently with Pfizer vaccine being given full approval by the FDA there's this new question about whether the federal government uh, will require vaccines for domestic flights i guess a quick question for you to end on can they do that and then should they do that oh my that? god
1: why are you making my <laughs> life miserable I think the answer about this is I am very dubious about making major institutional changes through executive orders. I think they ought to go through a traditional uh, legal process, preferably by legislation, but if not, then through notice and comment hearing by administrative processes. I think Obama and, uh, Trump was bad on this issue, but Biden is even worse on this. He's much too eager to use executive orders to achieve ends. So that's the first question. It's the power question. And then there's going to be sort of the individual rights question. If the United States government wants to tell you that you can't fly at all unless you take the vaccine, what it's doing is it's taking its strong monopoly position and telling you that it's so confident that it's right that you can't do anything that you want to, and if you can do it with respect to train planes, you can do it with respect to trains, maybe even private cars on public roads. And somebody's going to come back with the unconstitutional conditions doctrine, saying in effect that the moment you have monopoly power, you just don't have the power to exclude or include it will. you have to explain why this is reasonable and then you're going to get right back into the debate, is in fact the risk of getting COVID on a plane sufficient enough to impose that draconian remedy? And somebody's going to ask the question, tell me, Mr. President, how many cases of COVID have you been able to detect which have taken place from transmissions that took place on aircraft? I think the number is vanishingly small. And then somebody else is going to say, is all that information relevant? So you're right there in the middle of all this and ultimately, the way this thing starts to work, if you trust government um, in general, you're going to basically say the Biden administration gets the benefit of the doubt. If you don't trust government in general and you think the presumption is against it, you're going to go the other way. I'm a libertarian. I think the distrust position is the stronger one. So I am very much more leery about this. Uh, but whatever you want to say about Biden, he's not a libertarian. And the question is, how are the torts going to treat this? And many of the judges who are, in fact, Trump appointees are not libertarian either. They are judges who may personally believe that what he does is foolish, but they are also judges who believe in judicial restraint, even when it looks as though issues about fundamental rights are there. So a lot of it's going to depend on how sentiments develop at president, my guess is the, that, that Biden would win against my better judgment. Uh, but in two months, uh, the situation may be different on the ground that you come up with a different answer.
0: You've been listening to The Libertarian Podcast with Richard Epstein. Remember, you can read Richard's column, The Libertarian, on defining ideas at hoover.org every week. If you enjoyed our conversation, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune in. For Richard Epstein, I'm Tom Church. Thanks for listening.